Hi, welcome to Upgrade Your Faith. I'm Luke Gradeless, and this is our Bite Size Bible Study for Monday. Well, technically not Monday. I think it just past midnight, but we'll count it for Monday. Uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying sane, um, especially for those of you who are quarantined. For those of you who aren't quarantined or are out and about, stay safe. Uh, you know, be smart. Uh, we thank all those out there who are, are doing the jobs that are essential to keeping things going. Uh, so continue prayers for everybody, continue prayers for the nation and for the world. Uh, if you haven't been here before, our goal is to spend just a few minutes together in God's word, let it activate our minds, touch our hearts, and start to transform our souls. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we've been looking um, just at what the early church was. And, and kind of my goal in going through the early, you know, the early church is for a lot of us, we have had our routines demolished, right? Our routines are gone. Um, our normal is gone and we've had to find a new way to do what we do. And so I thought as the church, how important for us to look at what the church did in the early days and go, how do we make sure we keep doing that? Because church is broken, right? We, we don't have our, our regular small groups, life groups, Bible studies, Sunday schools, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we don't have our regular worship services. We don't have a lot of our formal ministries. All those things have kind of broken down because of, you know, smartly us, us being quarantined. Um, but that doesn't mean the mission's over. It doesn't mean our work is done. And so I think it's important for us to look at the early church, see what the early church was doing, some of the ex things that it experienced, and for us to remind ourselves of what those things are and how can we do them today. Uh, today we're in Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 14. So Acts chapter 8, verse 14. And we're going to look at a specific story that I think is so important when it comes to each of us in our relationship with God. And, and I think it's interesting because it kind of hits home at one of the things that we need to think about as you know Christians and as church members um, right now at this point in our lives. So let's just jump in. We're in Acts chapter 8, verse 14. While you're flipping there, let me give you a little background. So at this point, uh, the apostles are starting to break free from just Jerusalem. And so now they're starting to preach in further places, and they now find themselves in chapter 8 in Samaria. And they're preaching in Samaria. Uh, they're, they're building converts in Samaria. And in verse 14, what we see happen is Peter and John come. And the arrival of Peter and John is, is significant because what you basically see happening in their early church is that, that event that happened on Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came down upon the people, began speaking in tongues, um, great multitudes were joined. You see this happening uh, almost every time there's growth. So it happens to the original Jews. It happens then later to Gentiles. It then happens again with the Samaritans. It's almost like every time a new people is grafted in, there's this formal process that God goes through to show people like, yes, this is genuine. This is real. This is authoritative. This, is, this, this church is universal. It's open to everybody. And so we're going to kind of see that happening here in Samaria. So it says, now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet it had not fallen upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands that the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, 
because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven to you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And so let's kind of walk through this. Um, let's kind of walk through what we see here. So first, this Simon. This is not Simon Peter, right? This is Simon the sorcerer. And so if you jump back a little bit in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 9, we're introduced to Simon the sorcerer, who was, was uh, an intriguing, charismatic person, who either through um, dark arts or through magicians and illusion was someone who was able to gain a lot of a lot of attention in the Samaritan world, and so he was this person who had um, kind of entranced everybody with his abilities, had gained a kind of a following, and when the apostles came and started preaching the gospel, and he saw the real power of Christ at work, when he saw people's lives being changed. Um, he heard the word of God and he believed. Um, what we see though, is this weird interaction that then occurs where once Peter and John show up and give the Holy Spirit to folks, and it's not really them giving the Holy Spirit, they pray, lay hands on them. God gives the Holy Spirit and it's kind of seals that, Hey, the Samaritans, right? It's beyond Jerusalem. The Samaritans are part of this, this kingdom as well. He immediately wants to purchase the power. He wants to purchase the power to give people the Holy Spirit. And so what we start to realize about Simon is, is that Simon's belief was only a belief in what God's power was, but not a belief in who God is and what the right relationship with him is. And so let me break that down a little bit because I, th I think this is a key thing to being a Christian. I think many of us, if we come to this book, and we truly come to it with questions, with an open mind, uh, with, with a longing for truth, you will find within these pages there is brilliance. Right? God is brilliant. God is awesome. His wisdom is beyond us. And throughout this book, there is wonderful advice and guidance on how to find peace, how to not be stressed, how to find your purpose in life how to have a good marriage, how to raise your kids right, how to handle your finances, how to find your passion, right? There's wonderful advice in here. And so I think a lot of people will come to Christ initially because of a problem that they're facing. They will see the wisdom that's in this book, the wisdom that God gives. They'll apply it to their lives and they'll see things improve. And they then have a desire to continue to grow but to grow specifically for the benefit that they're searching for in their life, right? I have this broken thing or I have this issue or this problem that I want fixed. And it seems like this God guy has got an answer for it. I like that. I want that. The problem with that is that is not what Christianity is about. God is not a genie in the bottle. And our relationship with him is not about some exchange of he gives me a great marriage or peace or finances, and then I give him loyalty because he did those things for me. Our relationship with God is built on an intimate love 
and desire for him. Not that I want the things that God has. I want God. I've come face to face with God. I have seen his love, his mercy, his brilliance, his power, his awesomeness. And what I want is God, not God's stuff. That's the key. And what you see here in Acts chapter 8 verse 14 is with Simon the sorcerer, Simon's belief in the gospel was the belief of the power of it. Simon's following of the teaching was to gain power. And when he finally sees people, the apostles, who can lay hands on people and help the Holy Spirit come into their lives, he goes, I want that. Here's my money. I will clear all my, my fortune to you if you will give me that power. And so here's what he's saying. I want what God has without God. Right? Listen to that again. I want what God has without God. I want God's mystical powers. I want God's peace. I want God's patience. I want God's love. Right? I want God's things, but I don't want God. So let me give you money and you guys hook me up. Hook me up with God's power and love so I can have that, but don't have to go to him directly. And you can kind of see this disconnect because look at what happens when, when Peter rejects him and says, your money perished with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. And he kind of condemns him, right? He says, you have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. After he rebukes him, notice what Simon says. Peter tells him he needs to go to God. Peter says, hey, because of this, you need to go to God and you need to repent and ask God for forgiveness and God in his mercy will forgive you. But look what Simon says. Then Simon answered, this is in verse 24, and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come to me. So again, what do you see is missing here? What you see is missing here is Simon never wanted a relationship with God. Right? Simon could have received the Holy Spirit by simply having a relationship with God. He didn't want that. He wanted to purchase it. Then when he realizes he's going to be in trouble because of this action, does he go to God personally and ask for God's forgiveness? No. Instead, he goes to the disciples and says, hey, you guys, you guys go to God and ask for me. And so what Simon ultimately shows us is there are some of us who have come to God who've come to Jesus, who've come to the church, not so that we can have an intimate relationship with God, but because we hope God has the answers to the problems that we face. And what we have to realize is those are two separate things. What you really long for in your life is not any of God's wisdom. You are missing God. And if you want to fill the hole that's in your soul, that will never come from pulling out portions of this book and applying them. The wholeness you're searching for, the water that will make you no longer thirsty, the bread that will give you life, that comes from Jesus and Jesus only. And that comes from you having intimate relationship with him. And the beauty is, is once you have that intimate relationship with him, you know what happens? The floodgates of his wisdom, the floodgates of his love open up and the answers start pouring forth into your life. But the pursuit is of God himself, not of the stuff he gives you. I've hampered on this before, but you know, a lot of people read Psalm 23. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? He leads me in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. And people go, well, yeah, I, I want to follow the shepherd into the green 
pastures and into the quiet waters. And they conveniently forget the second half, which is, yeah, then he also leads you where? Into the valley of the shadow of death, where you're surrounded by your enemies. The point of that psalm is not where God leads you. It's that you follow. It's that I don't care about the location of my Lord. I care about that I am with him. I would rather be in the valley of the shadow of death, surrounded by my enemies, if I'm with God, than I would be in the green pastures and the quiet waters without him. And that's what Simon the sorcerer didn't get. Coming to God just for his wisdom and not for him is you missing the entire point. And that's why I think this is important for you and I to think about right now. We're sitting in a time where for many of us, we are not able to partake in a lot of the ministries that our churches offer. So if your church had a robust children's program or a WANA or Mother's Day Out or a sports program or a coffee shop or a bookstore or whatever they may be, you might find all those services are no longer able to you. And for some people, they go, well, then what's the point? That's why I was going. And what we need to challenge ourselves to remember is, no, we are not members of a church. We are not followers of Jesus Christ for what we can get from him. We are here to give him everything we are and everything we have, because that's what he already did for us. The relationship is built on loving sacrifice, not about what you can get. And so brothers and sisters, my, my prayer for you, my hope for you, is that you will continue to find ways to serve the church. All Christians everywhere that are building the kingdom of God. And I pray that you will continue to find ways to serve the Lord in the midst of all this craziness that surrounds us. And stop chasing after the things God has and chase after him. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. I hope God blesses you greatly. I hope you have great peace with him. And I hope you stay safe. We'll see you soon. Bye.